we've now stripped away any interaction that we're having where you can have serendipitous interactions with people. And so when people are coming around the world, what's really important to me is how do we create this alchemy of interaction with the tremendous number of people that we have coming in from the Netherlands or they're coming in from the US or, or Russia or Australia, bringing people together. And we believe that society is in essence formed on the borders. And we want to create that space that people come to, think of ideas, and then build from there. Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkset. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. The way we live and work is transforming rapidly. Many can now work remotely and do not need anymore to go to the office. Many freelancers use this as a way of combining both work and travel. And therefore, today I'm so excited to have David Abraham, who is the co-founder of Outpost, on the show. He had this need years ago and decided with his co-founder, Brian Stewart, to build a community based on co-living and co-working. And today they operate four of these locations in Bali and Cambodia. And there's some more in the pipeline. David shared the journey and the purpose of the business and what makes them different. He also shares what he's learned as an entrepreneur and which people have been most influential to him and his development. We talk about the future of hospitality and where he believes there's some great opportunities for brands that can act differently and stand out and make a positive impact. David shares how he shows up strong in these times every day as the leader. He also shares what leaders should think and reflect on right now. And there's some super leadership advice in this one. If you also, like me, are super passionate about how to build great organizations and teams, please book a chat with me on hospitalitymavericks.com. Always happy to talk. Grab notebook and coffee and enjoy. We are in January and... uh, the world is in, in different places right now. Some uh, I've talked with people in uh, the US this week. I've talked with people in uh, Scandinavia, where I'm originally from, and a lot of people here in the UK. And in the UK, we are in our third lockdown. But today, we're actually going to take a little journey over to uh, to Asia, to Singapore. And they're in a different place. But we're not going to talk so much about pandemic. We're going to talk about something that I will I'll call fits in very well with our attack lines called dare to be different, think differently out of the box because we need that more than ever. We are now uh, probably in the last phase of uh, the, the the rumble of the tumble of the pandemic. Of course, there's an aftermatch, but I think now a lot of people are looking at how can we actually, you know, come back differently how can we turn back our business differently how can we create the experiences we need in the new world because you know, we all know people and businesses have changed forever but how that looks we don't know but we definitely need to look other places for inspiration and therefore i thought it was so brilliant that david would like to come on the podcast and talk about their brilliant 
projects uh, out in Bali and Cambodia, where they are creating these uh, co-living, co-working community spaces for people to go out and either do deep work or just take a break from the day-to-day life or even maybe move there semi-permanently. Uh, and David would uh, be telling you much more about that. And uh, he is also the CEO and uh, co-founder of that business. So David, I'm super happy to uh, welcome you to the podcast. Yes, Michael, great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. David, uh, we had a we had a couple of conversations before you came on, and we were we were introduced to each other's because uh, somebody said there's a special story here. There's some some different thinking, but also I would like let's start with uh, David. Who is David, and what is his background? Because you have a very, you know, it's probably not unusual for your background, but I when I think about hospitality and creating experiences, you have a different background, and thereby I'm hundred percent sure you see the world from a different place. I've had um, a good fortune to be in a, in a number of, of, of different uh, careers, if you'd say that. Um, I, I initially out of out of university, I, I taught English in Japan, um, meandered a, a bit, um, ended up working at the at the White House on foreign assistance programs and, and U.S. trade initiatives. I went from there to uh, Wall Street, went to Lehman Brothers, which may have not been my best career move. Um, but it was something I was quite proud of at the time. Um, left there, started working in, in commodities work, uh, ran an NGO in Uganda, focusing on providing clean water to people in need in, in, in rural in rural Africa. Uh, and then um, from there, I uh, was really taken by my commodities work and international affairs work and uh, researched and uh, had a, a small consulting company and wrote a book about the trade in rare metals. And it may seem like these esoteric things that we never think much about, but they're the key to the green economy. So I really looked about sustainability in the future um, and, and wrote a book about how we can live uh, sustainably with the resources that we use. And I spent a lot of time when I was uh, researching for that consulting company. I was researching for my um, consulting company, writing the book. Uh, I was traveling to, to Rio and, and Tallinn in Estonia and, and Tokyo in Japan. And it was about 2013 or so, and I was in a coffee shop in, in Tokyo, and uh, I was doing some work there. And it made sense for me to be working there because where, I didn't have an office. Where, where was I going to go? So I started to look around at all these other people who were working on their laptops in Tokyo and thinking, well, why did they have to be here? If they could be in a coffee shop at 2.30 on a Thursday, well, why, why did they have to be in, in the city at all? And, and why couldn't they be in an amazing place? And so that got me thinking. And when I was writing my book, I decided to, to, to hole up in Bali for a little while and, and realized that this would be a great place for, for a community of, of professional folks who wanted to get away for weeks or months to, to work on a project or, or, or just work on whatever they were doing. So in 2016, we set up Outpost um, really to meet the need of, of, of nomads, nomadic workers, digital nomads. Um, remote workers, whatever you may, may have called them. Um, and so this was a, a side project, uh, something that was personal to me that has grown a bit and is now something I'm working on full time. Tell us, tell us a bit about, uh, you know, uh, we'll come back to how big you are, but like, uh, how, what you've grown to. But I think, what, what, what is the purpose uh, of your business? What is that you're trying to, to, to create here? What is the uniqueness of your place? Because I see it uh, when I, you know, 
done a bit of. I haven't been there, unfortunately, but uh, you can see there's these beautiful places. They look something like almost like co-living, hotel, uh, and co-working together. But what is the deep purpose underneath that? Really to serve the need of the anywhere worker. Uh, my partner and I lived this lifestyle where we worked and traveled. And we realized that when we stayed in a hotel, um, it didn't it didn't do it for us. I mean, we could be anywhere in the world, but we didn't really want to work from a hotel room. And then when we found a good place to work, and even if we could go into a co-working space, the atmosphere um, wasn't very social. You'd be in Singapore, and and the people who were using those workspaces, they were there every day. Um, that was their job, and they weren't open to meeting people. And so when we thought about what would make an outpost an outpost, it was really focusing on the entire lifestyle and how do we support that, that need and what are the experiences that uh, or, or a, what we say anywhere worker uh, needs. And, and really it's people focus on, well, do they have great Wi-Fi and what about the desks? And yeah, those are all important, but that's a given. Uh, it's, it's really how do we support someone who doesn't have those same, same support that they would at, at, at home? And so where we fit in in this um, line between a hotel where it's oftentimes very interactive between you and the room and you and the space to a hostel where you're focused on meeting in between, we're, we're kind of in, we're in, we're in the middle there. Uh, we're a social space for people who no longer want to spend time in a hostel and don't want to hear, you know, Ashley snoring at night, uh, wants that, that w- feeling that they don't have to swipe right or click like to meet anybody and they can talk to someone. And, and so it's really that social community and really what it's built around this entrepreneurial and creative uh, core for global citizens. What have you seen since you, you launched it? Because, uh, you know, you hear about people that pull out the blocks and work remotely. Have you seen like a massive movement? Because I guess you started with one and now you have how many? Uh, in 2020, we ran four locations. So, so what we've seen over time is, if you will, the professionalization of people who could work remotely. And it started with with me when when I was working in 2016. I didn't tell people I was in Bali. Um, if I was working with people in New York, I'd say, "Give me a call any morning next week." They didn't know the time difference, and and I didn't bother telling them. And then over time, I was telling people I was in Singapore. And then up until 2019, I started telling people I was in Bali. There was a general acceptance that, that you didn't necessarily have to be in the, in the office. And so we saw this trend going uh, from this, that, that the fact that everything that you need to work from is on a laptop. And you could be a marketer. You could be a, a designer. You could be a, a life coach. If, if you can have everything you need in front of you to travel, then you can be away from the office. And, and really what supports that has been in studies. The U.S. Federal Reserve said 40% of all jobs could be done remotely, full time, never going into the office. And so we saw that trend happening. And we said, how do we, how do we open a space that caters to people like ourselves? And uh, so it's the DNA of an outpost is focused on that anywhere worker and how do we support that? And if their needs change and they no longer need a workspace or they no longer need a, 
um, a lift space, we change. It's not that we've provided a bed and a room and then say, how do we market it? So it's interesting. You are you're actually listening to the needs that develops for a, a person that decides that lifestyle or needed for a period of time to work on a on a project. Yeah, because I can see the uh, especially the uh, you know the you know some of the things we've lost over time. I think a bit you know because I I, I was uh, you know I can remember still getting an email was quite significant technology <laughs> improvements from the fax machine to the email and also going from uh, getting a mobile phone at work, you know, um, and it changed the dynamic of being able to do deep work. I can remember that. And I, what I've been trying to practice myself and do when we work on projects uh, across the companies uh, is that I try actually to us to get away from our normal environment. Actually, you're trying to be in places where, you know, we can do deep work. We actually can concentrate to do these things. And I, I guess that's going to be even a bigger need for this as we move forward because we really need uh, as companies and businesses we need to do deep work and i can see a place like what you are doing you're creating that environment for going having you know uh, the day-to-day needs of if you have still to keep the the job going but also you can create a lot of opportunities for deep work which is impossible in a, in office environment uh, often it, it is. Uh, the mere part of being uh, remote or away from the office allows that. Where I spend my time thinking about is more uh, how do we build back society? And, and what I mean by that is we're going through a, a period right now where we've taken away the office. Um, and let me talk about more about the U.S. Well, how are we getting together? How are we having meaningful interactions with people? We we. We, we're not going to the office. We don't have a town square we go to or a local bar that, that people meet up at. Uh, you know, there's not a, a, mostly a, 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 a political environment where people are coming and, and meeting people and discussing things in a, in a meaningful way. Um, religious services, people aren't meeting up at. And so when we strip away the office, without schooling, we've, we've now stripped away any interaction that we're having where you can have serendipitous interactions with people. And so when people are coming around the world, what's really important to me is how do we create this alchemy of interaction with the, with the tremendous number of people that we have coming in from, whether they're coming in from the Netherlands or they're coming in from the U.S. or, or Russia or Australia, bringing people together. And we believe that um, society is, in essence, formed on the borders. And, and we want to create that pe- space that people come to think of ideas, and then, and then build from there. And because of that, we look at the, the service of uh, a property very differently than, than, than the room, if I go back to that. So, so the uh, location you're using, are they, uh, just so people have an idea how they look, are they uh, old hotel facilities or are they uh, new built? What, what kind of environment is it? How should I imagine if you should put some words on the environment you create? Because you, go, of course, go to the website and you get a very great idea straight away. Sure. The, the properties that we look at now, they're, they're roughly 30 to 80, up to 150 keys. Uh, the, the original property that we took, uh, we pieced it together. Um, we started with uh, a workspace and a couple villas, and and we grew from there. And then we started to grow into hotel properties. Uh, so we had a, a, a twenty four you know a twenty four room property, a thirty room property, and we looked at how do we how do we increase the size, um, but really still keep the the community tight and interactions. Um, 
uh, is the key to, to, to what we do. And so how do, we, how do we keep those flowing? How do we balance guests who want to see the lifestyle and peek into it and come for two or three or four days? And then how do we balance it with um, longer term stays? And for us, we look at ourselves as a medium term concept. Uh, so people often come for a month or two months, sometimes three months. Um, and then they'll either decide to stay and, and, and live in Bali and, or they'll decide to go somewhere else. Uh, and most people who do enter this lifestyle come to us for a certain period of time and then, and then do either take off back to their home country, um, cause they're doing some type of work sabbatical, if you will, um, or just wanted to get out of the office for a while, or they, they go on to their next destination, um, whether that's Cambodia or Chiang Mai or Sri Lanka or so forth. And, and then you go for your website. I can also see one of the things, and you mentioned it before as well, it's about creating that community of uh, people. What what typical will, will will happen in this place besides you get some great internet, you can work from there, all the, all the given things. But what, what do you do to actually facilitate, you know, the community feel? Because I think that's, you know, we think about, you know, the, the thing we're just going through now, we are hungering for the face-to-face relationships. I'm sure most people, even the most introvert people, will be hungering to come out and shake hands again and build relationship and, you know, having that human touch. Right. I, it's it, it comes down to every aspect of things that we do. Uh, so when we were designing a space, for example, um, that we, we were looking at our workspace and there we had a large entranceway um, and there are stairs that went down into the um, into the main room. And what we decided to do was to make the stairs a little bit um, a little more complicated, uh, if you will. You had to go down right and then turn left. And it was a, a narrower hallway. And what that meant was that people would have to look at each other sometimes when they wanted to pass. So there was this moment if if someone was coming up and someone was coming down, they would have to they would have to meet eye to eye. So how do we create a space where we're forcing some type of, of interaction within the space um, so people are, are, are ha- have these kind of forced serendipitous interactions? Um, so that's something we, we think about. How do we create communal spaces so that when someone leaves their room, they feel comfortable going to a common area? Uh, and, and, and so what, what type of opportunities can we, can we do with space? Uh, in terms of other types of planning, uh, we have a lot of uh, guest-run events. Um, talking about what, what type of, uh, it could be everything from search engine optimization. Uh, it could be everything from, um, you know, how to, how, to, how to grow or how to find funding. Uh, there are a number of different types of, of events. We've had Art at Dawn, um, where people come in to, to create well, Art at Dawn. Uh, so there, there are a number of, of different um, aspects we, we've, we've, we've put into uh, our, our spaces. And so, you know, when we look at the future. There, there are many different types of concepts that could be really focused on the remote worker. If I were to, to speak more broadly, there are some uh, fabulous concepts that could be brought forth to, to really focus on, on the family. Uh, while families come to us, and we do have a number, um, our lived spaces aren't, aren't well designed for, for children, uh, but there are definitely concepts that, that could be brought up. So what, you, you know, what we've always thought was, uh, unfortunately, we've been the, the main kind of customer um, segment, although um, we do target slightly younger of, of people than myself um, at uh, 25 to 39, if you will. Um, what, what, what do they, what does an individual who travels need? And that's really what we, we, what we spend our time thinking about.
Yeah, it's interesting we think about the family because suddenly you've seen in the, the pandemic that, uh, you know, I've been working with people that normally we based in London and now sitting around Europe or even in the US with their family because they got a, an opportunity to go there at some point and they stayed there because there's no reason to come back to sit alone working uh, in a in a flat somewhere in london or outside london and i think that's been very interesting that you have people turning in from dublin and so on on calls and we still get stuff done and that's i think that was the biggest fear for many managers as well was that are we actually going to get the same amount of things done and i think they got more done than ever before uh, because actually people had the freedom to to choose and autonomy to plan their work uh, in 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 a certain degree, um, so I, I guess that the, the family element you will see more and more families also for a period of time, because it's also a way of you know live life. Because I think we also found out in this pandemic the hamster wheel effect of uh, us just working, 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 uh, taking care of our kids. If there's any way where we can go where it's affordable and it's possible and you can actually, you know, especially if you come from Northern Europe in the winter periods, there's nothing better to get out in the sun, you know. Um, so if you you can do that, because when I looked at your side, I uh, I was surprised. I thought it, 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 it looks like a premium experience that's still affordable, it's still it's still something you can manage on your budget, even if you're independent, sole entrepreneur running a small business. It's, I would say, reasonable. Um, we see we sell rooms uh, 900 to to 1300 US a night. I mean, a month. Uh, so it's it, it's quite affordable. Our daily rates are, are a bit higher, um, but we like to encourage people to spend a longer period of time uh, in in our spaces. And I think with, to, to go to the family the family point again, we've speak, spoken to another number of con- uh, countries that are instituting a, a digital nomad visa, for lack of a better word, in essence, a longer term stay uh, for people who uh, can work remotely. And, and so it was just um, speaking to Barbados and their, and their plan to allow people to come in for, for a year. And so what they're really doing is building up the ecosystem. And now Barbados and Bali have a different uh, value proposition. And Barbados is really looking at how do we bring in uh, families. I, I know Bermuda is also thinking the same thing. How do we focus on on, on sea level folk? Um, and Bali uh, has all all types um, people who are just starting up, and and because it has uh, great schools, great international schools that are used to having children for for nine months or a year, um, you're seeing parents coming out for longer periods of time, um, for sure. And while they may not use our uh, live space. They definitely are part of our community using our workspace and, and, and contributing their skills and, um, and and to us as well. And it's great to have them. Super interesting because I guess that you also, when you're looking at new locations, you also have to look at the infrastructure that's already there because that's uh, incredibly important for for the experience, especially for families. There's, there's other things that's important than for for the individual travel. I think that's that's super interesting as well. So how do you see your, yourself? You are You said you have four? Four units now or four spaces. Uh, how, what, what is going to happen? How does the future look? If you think about, if I'm thinking commercially about the market, a, there must be opportunities now when tourism has ended out as it is and nobody knows really what's going to happen with tourism. It's going to take up again. Are we going to travel as much or what are we going to do? I'm emboldened for the future uh, because we built this on a trend 
that's been a long time coming. Um, you go back to the 1980s and Alvin Toffler, uh, a, a U.S. A, a futurist, excuse me, was talking about electronic cottages and how people could be working from from home or wherever that was a, a, a space where they had everything that they needed. And we're kind of that modern version of it. It's, it's you know, from the laptop to, to where we are today. Um, and so when I look around to the future, um, I'm really excited by the statistics I'm seeing. So I was looking at booking.com and, and in late October, they came out with a statistic saying 37% of travelers are looking to go to a place uh, to take a trip uh, where they can work from. 37%. And I think about how many people were coming into Bali. If we've got 10 million people coming in, we've got, what, 100,000, 150,000 only who are looking to, to, to spend time and work. So if you're telling me 37% of travelers want to do it, there's an amazing opportunity for Outposts to be able to serve their needs. And so what we're spending our time looking about is, is you know, how do we find the right partners um, who, are, who are keen to partner with us um, for, the, for the concept to, to be able to, to bring that to other idyllic destinations. Um, we're obviously focused in on, on Southeast Asia. Um, and we think that's a, a fabulous opportunity for us. Uh, but we're looking you know, over the next three, four years, how do we uh, bring this brand that's built on the DNA of, of coincidentally a post-pandemic world? And, and how do we bring that out uh, to the masses? How do we, how do we build up our community uh, so that it's, we're providing you know, the services that, that people need at our spaces and, and wherever they go? Yeah, because there's one interesting thing in this you say as well is that uh, because I worked in a responsible for some corporate HR point and people had these, you know, holiday, the amount of leave they can take. And suddenly the pandemic, I think I have, you know, if I was sitting in that world, I think it's shaking up everything around holidays. It doesn't really matter. So, you know, and I think it was Netflix and some others that you can have all the time off you want as long as you achieve the the thing we agreed you do and and let people know when you're available or not available so they don't reach out to you when they're not. I think it's very interesting that people maybe want to build work on the the uh, the beginning of a holiday and maybe also in the air when they end it so they actually can get it because the problem is before when you went on holiday it was quite stressful you need to get to the airport you maybe have 10 days to do a holiday and spend two of them traveling so and also you're stressed about finishing your work and you're also stressed about you're going to come home and there's all that work lying in a way and if you can actually combine that everybody's going to get a longer stay the family because often the kids are off anyway if you take it from a family point of view uh, you can actually explore the place much more calmly and actually enjoy enjoy the place I think I actually think about how I want to travel in the future. I actually want to visit less places, but actually more quality and actually get to know them better. And actually, you know, because it's the time you spend there in totally relaxation where you get the most inputs and ideas and stuff like that. So I, I think you're spot on with that trend. I think that if booking.com have found that, it's probably going to happen as well. That's uh... So I think um, one other aspect that, um, you know, you mentioned kind of the, the leisure traveler. And the, the leisure traveler is the traveler who's going somewhere for business and then spends the rest of the time with leisure. And the difference with leisure, and then as opposed to what you're getting at, is business leads leisure. You know, you're in Hong Kong, you spend four days in, in Hong Kong afterwards, you know, traveling around. You're, but here with anywhere work is you're directing where you want to go and bringing the work with you. So it's a, it's a completely... A different experience, and it's guided by the individual. And so we'll find people in 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 
in typical places um, or in atypical places where they wouldn't necessarily go for work. And, and now they will be. And it, it, it's super interesting. It's super interesting. That's right. What, what do you think that's going to happen within the next year or two within this? I think it's going to be a growing market. Uh, that's going to be other people coming in here, hotels seeing the opportunity here as well, trying to transform their businesses because many of them are probably quite worried about what they do, especially with the uh, resorts kind of businesses and so on. Are they going to be able to fill them up again? Right. They will. The question is, is, is how long is the runway? I, th I think when, when people have the opportunity, um, they, will, they will travel. Um, and when we polled our, 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 our folks, we found out that the reason why they weren't traveling um, was not because of COVID. Um, it was because of restrictions. Uh, it was because they couldn't travel um, or that um, they had to do a quarantine. And so there will be this unleashing of, of travelers, especially at the, at the younger age. They'll, they'll want to get out. And we feel it's the year of, of, of the bucket list. Uh, people will have been saving money and, and those who can afford to travel um, are going to travel to places that are far afield. And they're going to spend long, longer at them. Um, so they'll bring their laptops. I think in terms of a, a concept that's focusing on, on nomadic workers, uh, you know, that there are many types of concepts um, that 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 can be um, put out as we were talking about before. But I think ultimately um, if people are focusing on um, a desk or, or Wi-Fi or the services there, they may be missing out on what really the nomad lifestyle needs. And maybe what they'll attract is for people or couples to come for, for two weeks or three weeks, and then they can have their experience together. Um, but if you're trying to create a, a community that may not always fit with the existing um, kind of hotel infrastructure and the staffing that you have. And there are other questions that you have to consider if you're getting into kind of the nomad market where we sit is, is how does that work with your, with your finances? Because typically a lot of the, the people that we're looking at um, wanting to stay there, they're medium term guests. Um, so how does that fit in when you're, when you're really trying to drive up your, your ADRs? Um, so that's one of the challenges that I think people will have. But with that said, you know, there, there are people going to be working and traveling from everywhere. What is your prediction on uh, uh, your own rollout of your business? Are you going to be uh, more or bigger or are you going to be observing the opportunities right now? What, what is your plans? Oh, yeah, we're observing the opportunities. Um, it's, it's, there are two things that are, that are difficult in this environment. Um, one is predicting revenue and the other is predicting growth. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's two of those things. You can't, you don't know when, 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 when either is exactly coming. Um, with that said, we've got, uh, some nice opportunities that are, that are, that are, that are coming afield. Um, we're very, um, we're bullish on, on Sri Lanka and, and Thailand, uh, for our own case. Um, but, uh, to be able to, to line them all up and, and, and the timing, um, unfortunately is a little further out than, than we would have liked, um, if it weren't for COVID. I think every every hotelier can say that um, they would be in a very different space. Um, but uh, we're we're happy with uh, our, our occupancy as as it is. Um, one of our properties is eighty uh, percent. Some of them are low as as thirty percent. But in a country that's closed, as in Indonesia, it's doing okay. Um, it's doing it's doing okay. Um, so uh, we're we're speaking to folks now and, and and partners who are keen on on this on the concept. So um, we will expect some growth uh, later on in the, in the year, 
uh, and then beyond, we'll, 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 we'll see. Exciting, exciting. So, so you have uh, ventured out for, on this entrepreneurial journey of yours. It's always interesting when you talk with uh, people that founded businesses and their journey, because uh, actually what you learn most from, you always hear about the successes. So I would like to ask you, because I know people out there always want to hear, what, what, is, the, what is one of the, the biggest failures you've done? And what was your top learning from that? Oh, my. Um, well, I didn't realize it was in the hospitality business. I, I, I used to be a bartender and I knew that I was in the hospitality business. And then uh, I don't know exactly what I was in. I didn't realize, you know, I had a couple, we had a couple of villas and we had the uh, workspace and we're like, all right, well, this is a couple of villas and a workspace. And then I guess about a few months into, it, I looked across the way from our, from our workspace and down the road. And um, uh, there's a nice river. And on the other side of the river, there's this hotel. And it dawned on me, it's like, that's what we are, you know, where we, we can, we can, we can kind of combine it all. And so it was that, if you will, realization that made me think, oh, okay, I got to think about this a little bit differently. And I also had to realize that I, I couldn't continue working um, uh, on my sustainability work and, and my, uh, that I had to kind of pass that on in, in 2018, really, really spent more time on, on, uh, on building Outpost. Yeah, and that's the dilemma. When is the timing right for? Because often what happens on an entrepreneurial journey is that often you have numbers of projects going, and there's there's passion in all of them, and it's a bit like choosing your favorite child. That's, that's never that's never easy. I could imagine. And I think one other thing, real quickly, I've learned is, um, you know, you I have I have local problems um, that need local solutions. And oftentimes I used to the beginning rack my brain of how do I solve this? And I would bring an international, you know, my American mindset over and, and very logical and okay, if X happens, then Y happens. And that's how we address the problem. Um, and then my team says, no, that's, that's not the way to do it. You're going to have to do this. And I said, well, that's crazy. Why do we have to, why do we have to do it that way? And I said, all right, just do it. And sure enough, it solved, it solved, it solved the challenge. Um, so I, I think there's this great alchemy when you're bringing foreign and, and local ideas together and, and something rises to the top. But sometimes we bring our arrogance with us and think our way is the way to solve a problem. And you might need the local way to do it. Yeah, this is super interesting. Yeah, both the local, uh, what my own experience is also, but also let the, the front line deal with uh, the challenges because they are much better equipped to it because they know exactly, they know how to approach it. They understand that the small bits you can't wreck your brain with because yeah, if you take the analytic approach, yeah, you want to go from A to B, and there's an obstacle in the middle. It's not always how it works, and not in many places. Even in, 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 in countries, there will be regional differences or towns' differences in how you do things. On your journey, uh, because you, you know, like, it's so interesting, you've done all these different things where it probably inspired you and you learned a lot. But is, is there like some people that inspires you in, in the world and the, the work you do? Uh, because you're definitely inspired about something about trying to change the world into a more positive place with the sustainability and the NGO work. But is there like some people that at some point in your career said, okay, they're shining a bit on a light on what I want to do? Well, I think, um, I think most people, and I go to my father who, you know, he instilled on me, um, really, it's not, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. Um, and how do you do things in a way that's um, of value? How do you do things in a way that's, that's, that's ethical. And how do you do things the right way? What's the right way to do things? And, and if you do it that way, you can find reward. That doesn't mean you're going to be, you know, there, there's honor in doing things the right way. 
Um, so he taught me, you know, he taught me that. And, and I think, you know, I, I'm always inspired by people who do many things well. Um, so whether it's uh, Mark Wahlberg, who Marky Mark, when he started up in the, in the Funky Bunch as a singer and became an actor and then runs Wahlburgers and he does so many different things um, or Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, these people who've, who've done one thing extremely well and then branched off to do, to do many different things. Um, those people, um, you know, in, in inspire me. Um, I, I haven't met them, met them personally, but that, that type of that attitude and that success. And, and when I worked at the white house, um, uh, my, my division chief, if you will, um, really got me thinking about, because we would brief senior, senior white house officials who were very busy. And one day they could be dealing with coal. The other day they could be talking about what's happening in Russia. The third day they could be talking about, uh, healthcare in, 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 in Tennessee. And the, what she taught me is you just have to give people enough to see, enough information to make a decision and don't cloud it. What's the proper amount of decision of, of information that you can give someone to make a decision? Because the more information you get doesn't always make the decision easier. And, and so that was something that was, um, you know, how much, what information do I need to make this decision? That's a super, that's a great advice as well, because especially in these time of, uh, we talk a lot about data in the world we live in now and overload of information, almost sometimes you can't make decisions because you have so much insights and almost blocks you for taking the decision. So how much information do you actually need to take that decision? So where this came out was uh, when COVID was, when COVID was, was happening, we, we, we bought our first boxes of, 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 of masks in, in January and was watching it very closely from Indonesia. You know, we got, st we got some electronic equipment because we thought it might be tough getting it out of China, uh, stuff that we needed. Um, and then when things got more serious, I, I, we, I sat down with one of my staff and said, you're in Bali. Um, are you okay to be here for a long period of time? And she said, no, I have some health issues. And I said, then, then you should leave. And she's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think, does it make sense or when do I go? And I said, is there any reason why you should stay? Um, and she's like, no. And I said, then you should be on a plane today because everything was starting to shut down. And if you waited a while, you didn't have a chance to make a decision. So the, the, the information that she needed was really clear. If she stayed, she didn't feel comfortable. And so the option was to leave. And, and once you have that information, boom, decisions made, move on. And I wish all decisions were, were, were that easy. A crisis has a has ability to make those decisions clear. Um, but it's like, what's the information you need for a decision? Yeah, and uh, that's the one thing that's been, you know, that if any beautiful out of a very terrible and horrifying uh, situation has been the ability to get things done. I think, and the ability to innovate in the speed we have as a, as humans and seeing what we've been able to do, you know, in, in short term of time. If we, we could work that effectively and focused all the time, we wouldn't have all this disengagement and lost uh, energy at work, maybe. Uh, it's just one of my interesting reflections. So an owner of a business like yours, and also I can hear it's not without challenges and COVID, it's not like you have experienced. Uh, you haven't gone through some things, um, but how do you actually, as the founder, because a lot of the people that listen in here, they're founders, CEOs, and business owners. How do you make sure that you turn up pro every day? So you actually can, because you're also moving around between places. So how do you find the energy to get up and do it every day? 
it's um, when there's headwinds, it's a challenge um, to, to, to be there every day. Um, it's easy to, I think, um, oh, the CEO of Starbucks, his name is escaping me at the time, said that it's... Howard Schultz. Yes, thank you, Howard Schultz. He said, uh, he said it's, it's, it's easy to lead a, a, a company when, when things are going well. It's when you start to get headwinds that things are a challenge. And I was really proud of my team um, when, you know, when COVID happened, they were thinking, how do we, how do we, um, you know, how do we, cl- in essence, close down some of our, our operations? How do we right size them? And, um, you know, I think the challenge is, is, is how do you take care of yourself? Well, um, how do you do everything, if you will, in moderation? Um, and there are lessons that I, I continue to learn is, um, how you can't do everything. Um, and in this, in this time, um, you know, you've got to balance strategy and, and opportunism. And, um, that's a tough, that's a tough balance. Um, so having a, a good night of sleep, um, and a clear head is critical. And so, um, I've spent the past few months focusing on how do I ensure I continue to get good sleep so that it leaves me the morning to make good decisions um, so that I can have better conversations in the afternoon. Yeah, and actually the, the, the sleep is something we've talked in a number of conversations. We're not going deeply to this. Uh, one of the books I really like is called, I think it's called Why We Sleep. Um, can't remember the author right now, not me, but we'll put it in the show notes. But it's again, when I read that book, and that was early in the pandemic, and I don't know why I got... I think I had it on my bookshelf. Somebody given it to me, um, and then I read it, and then I thought, "Oh, it's definitely not working harder. It's working less and more focused. And also, you work more focused when you sleep because you say you say that you wake up and make better decisions, um, and then your decision battery is just better. And I think a lot of leaders uh, forget that when it goes goes hard, they work harder, and that's maybe counterintuitive to think." I need to actually to stop up and sleep and work slower to get better results. Um, yeah. And make less decisions and make less. I figure you've got a decision bank and, and the more decisions you're making throughout the day, uh, the more challenging it is um, to make the right decisions. You know, you, you've got to be able to make one or if you can make one or two good, de- good decisions a, a week, that would be great. Um, but one or, you know, one, one or two decisions a day. And if you're, you're getting into the weeds, um, as I want to do in these crazy times. Um, then you're, then you're, you're, you're probably not making great overall decisions. Yeah, interesting, interesting little turn we took there. Uh, the last thing David always asks the guests about, because we we're, we're getting to the the end of time here. Uh, but if you should give advice to to leaders out there, business owners, CEOs. People are trying, you know, uh, finding their way back uh, as we are all in the moment. Well, what would your top three advice be to them? Or could be less. Get good people around you. I mean, for me, it's, you know, my team, Riku and Natalie and Kyle um, and the others and, 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 and Lucky. And get good people around you who, who you who you can trust. Um, get good investors or bankers around you. Um, and then trust them. And then... After you trust them, go with your, you know, go with, go with your instincts. You know, um, they're likely you, you brought them on for a good reason. So trust with what, what they've got. 
and then be able to balance that with your own, with your own gut for, for, for the goal and the vision of your company. Um, you know, we've gone through some branding and, um, you know, I get input from, from all of the, the, the team. Um, but really it does come down to, does it feel right for, for where you and you want to bring the, bring the company? Um, so, and if you can lay that out in a, in a clean, a clean way, it really helps you to trust your team more because they can buy into it. Um, and there are times where, you know, I, I feel I've given a, a clear vision and the team is moving. And then there are times I think I've given a clear vision and the team is not, and it's, and it's likely not them, it's me. Um, so I guess really get the good people around you, um, you know, get the, get the, the good investors and, and bankers around you and then trust them once you can convey the vision to them as to, as to where you want to go. Great. Uh, absolutely clarity for yourself uh, and your team and, uh, you know, be, uh, be very selective about setting the team as well, right people on the bus and, uh, in the right seats. Great, great, David. Uh, if people want to learn more about you guys, uh, they, of course, they can go to the website. We'll put that in the show note, outpost. Uh, and uh, where, if people want to check you out and learn a bit more about you and uh, get in touch with you in any way they can find you, reach out to you. LinkedIn is probably the easiest way. Um, you know, David Abraham, uh, Destination Outpost. Um, I think if you type those two in, you'll, you'll find me there. Thank you so much, David, uh, coming on the, the podcast, sharing your, your thoughts, ideas, and also experience and views on the future. Really, really, really helpful. So thank you so much, David, and uh, sending power and energy to you and your loved ones uh, and the teams uh, out there. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. David, thank you so much for sharing your entrepreneurial journey with us and how you you are transforming working remotely by building a community of co-working and co-living that is fueled with the power of true hospitality. If you want to get inspiration from other episodes about how to build a business model that's different, please also tune in to episode 88 with Larry Corman, who is the president of AKA Hotels Residencies. And if you enjoyed today's conversation, please share it, review it, or subscribe to one of our channels and tune in next time for another interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us and subscribe to our community and download free leadership tools at hospitalitymavericks.com. And don't worry, if you didn't get all of this, there will be links in the show notes. Thanks for listening and be maverick.